For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We do not have a large teenage audience, I would guess, but if there are anybody who's listening who's in that age, like, don't try to kiss away your emotions <laughs> like Elsa's doing. a lot of new during episode 7 of 1883. New terrain, new characters, new cameo appearances, and new obstacles for James, Shay, and his thinning group of pioneers to overcome. After a simply devastating weather event, you have to ask if anyone aside from James and Margaret Denton get to where they want to go. The future looks very, very bleak. I'm Addison Hager and this episode of 1883 was one of my favorites to date. But I know not everyone loved the adventure and the tension. In fact, my co-host Billy Dukes is still recovering. We've talked about this before, but the real stars of the show aren't Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, Sam Elliott, or even Isabel May. It's the hardened prairies of North Texas and wild rivers mark the borders of Oklahoma and states unseen. Mother Nature is both hero and villain, and during this episode, she unleashed catastrophe. And then 13 bandits try to kill everyone and steal the cattle. Yeah, it was a lot to take in. The most astute viewers recognized the men playing two new characters, Sam and Charles. Historians might have noted the significance of Charles. He's the cowboy that comes out of nowhere to save the home team during the shootout. We'll get to all of that and try to understand the most puzzling question of all. Why did Elsa start making out with a guy she just met in the middle of a tornado? Top follow and leave a five-star rating and review if you're appreciating this opinion and analysis. And as always, hit us with an email at staff at tasteofcountry.com. We'll try to respond to all of them and choose a few each week for listener Q&A. That's also where you'll send answers to the weekly trivia question, which is where we'll begin as we bring in Billy Dudes right now. Hello, Addison! Hello, Billy! We can officially start covering episode seven, because we've seen it. Last episode of this podcast, <laughs> we had not quite yet seen it, but now we can officially say we're here for it, and we can dissect. Part of me wants to go back in time to when I hadn't seen it, because it, it, it really brought me down. In a lot of different ways. And not just because it was kind of a sad episode. I mean, really, a sort of a downer episode. Because that's kind of the norm. But it just really right. left me... I don't know. It bothered me for the better course of, like, 24, 48 hours. I, I just was, like, bothered by things. And I think it affected my relationships. <laughs> per personal relationships? It might have. It might have. I might have oh. been a... a, a, a not as good of I mean I didn't do the ha the weekend happy hour Zoom with the family. Uh, I was a little bit distant with my wife and kids. Like I'm not oh my sure gosh. Elsa Dutton and, and James. Yeah, they might be to blame. Um, well, Billy, I will I will point this out that I've noticed consistently with us the episodes that I leave just going oh you know give me a Kleenex give me a week off of work I can't do this. 
they're the episodes that you kind of come back from going, oh, I really enjoyed that episode. Because all that to be said, this episode, I wouldn't say, no, I did not leave the show going, oh, happy-go-lucky. But this was one that I was actually invested in. And this is one that you're going, no, I'm just emotionally distraught, you know. Well, my issues may run a a little bit deeper uh, or a little Uh, bit bigger picture. Okay. Um, But let's start how we have with trivia like we've done the last few weeks. Yes, who's the winner of last trivia? Last week's trivia question was, Sam Elliott's real-life wife is Catherine Ross, best known for playing Elaine Robinson in the 1967 movie The Graduate. However, she and Faith Hill have something in common on their resumes. What is it? This was a little bit of an easier trivia question. A number of people emailed correctly, but Lisa was first to know that they were both in The Stepford Wives, Mm -hmm. different versions of it. Catherine Ross was in the original. Faith Hill was in the uh, 2004 remake. Uh, So congratulations to Lisa. And as per the rules, I get to be her mouthpiece. (laughs) Drumroll. She wanted me to read a couple of of her theories about about Elsa. That's smart. Um, I'm excited. you know, and a full disclosure here, she wrote to us last week, so she hadn't seen episode seven at this point. So if any of them are out of date, it's because she hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. But she has two theories. One, I don't believe Elsa will be pregnant because if I'm remembering correctly, they say they're going into Indian territory at the end of episode six, and she got shot in the first episode by Indians. So I believe in one of the three episodes left, she probably will be shot, mm-hmm. which won't be enough time to have the baby. That could still happen. That's a valid theory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the other is prediction on Spencer is he might be Yosef's child because I remember them talking in th- episode three or four about wanting to have a baby. They ended up trying to during that episode. So if they both die, the Duttons take their boy in. A couple of people have gone with this theory that Yosef and his wife have a kid and the Duttons end up raising him. Interesting. Well, and I mean, that's a great memory because to be honest, they aren't characters that really have stuck with me in my mind. I kind of, you know, they're on the screen. I'm like, oh, great. And then I just don't really think much of it after that. And um, right. interesting. Well, and kind of going back to what we said last podcast episode that the Duttons, you know, the Duttons at on Yellowstone are very much so, you know, taking people and we took in Rip. Now we're taking in Carter. And you had even said, you know, maybe this stems so much you know, farther back to James Dutton. And I mean, that I mean, that could easily be a plausible thought. Congrats to Lisa. Staff at tasteofcountry.com is the email address as I, we have like the most difficult trivia question yet. I'll be shocked if anybody gets this, to be honest. What is it? Okay, it goes back to Yellowstone. Okay. In Yellowstone... When Jamie first meets his real father, I think it's episode nine of season three, Garrett calls him by a different name. What name does Garrett call Jamie? Billy, you picked a hard one this week. It's really tough. Like he just kind of sneaks it in there. Um, But a number of people picked up on it. It's a tough one. Okay, I'm ready to talk about episode seven now. Already, yeah, you're 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 emotionally ready. Maybe deep breath, sip that coffee. Should mm-hmm. we start with the? I mean, the major natural disaster that happened. Do we want to start there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this to me is okay. what I'll remember the episode for. It was a ten to fifteen minute long sequence from the preparation 
through the end and the recovery of a, a, a huge tornado that comes through. I mean, they all look huge to me, but this one looked particularly big through um, Oklahoma and it, it wrecked havoc. Mm-hmm. Well, and for, you know, someone, I mean, we're both, you know, somewhat known for tornadoes. You want an area, when a tornado's coming like that, it touches down, you want somewhere that's not higher ground. Well, where they're at, it's all one level, essentially. And so they're pretty much just running just to literally lay flat on the ground, you know, letting their horses go. Wagons are being blown up into pieces. And yeah, that I definitely had me on the edge of my seat. Uh, what were your thoughts as it was going as it was happening. I know there's one specific thought at the end that I have uh, that, I, <laughs> that I'll touch on in a minute, but we won't go there because that will completely rabbit hole us here. But yeah, what what was your what were your takeaways? Well, my first thought was like, how the heck did they shoot this? Like, how did they capture this amazing tornado sequence? Yeah. And, you know, there must have been some green screens and some cinematography trickery, but the acting was really great. And it was really mm-hmm. a convincing tornado scene. I, I thought that part was wonderful. I guess my main thought uh, was it changed what I expect to happen for this show. Like I expected, I expect certainly expected deaths along this journey, but I certainly expected a number of people to reach their goal beyond just the Duttons. Like we know the Duttons get to Montana. Um, Thomas and Shay want to get to Oregon as do all the other immigrants. And at, at this point, I just don't think anybody, not only do I not think anybody's going to get to where they want to go outside of the Duttons, I don't know if anybody's living past these next two or three episodes. And that's what hit me so hard is is that Mm -hmm. it it just seems like all is like lost and there is no more hope. Yeah, I, well, I definitely felt when the wagons went up and all, all the above, yeah, definitely thought as well, like the immigrants, they can barely, you know, we've barely been able to get them here on horseback. And wagons, much less now on foot. Uh, but do you really think that Thomas and Shay are going to not make the journey? Well, I've kind of felt all along that Shay would die somewhere along the way. Um, okay. Just because his character is so... Uh, it just seems to be his fate. You know, he's lived his life. He's 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 had, certainly had his demons. Thomas, I was more optimistic about, especially now that he's began this relationship with Noemi, Mm -hmm. but, but I don't, I don't see how they get there. They hardly have enough wagons. They have 50 people left, including like 24 or 26 children, their food, their supplies, everything is scattered. Who knows where the horses are? Um, I, I don't see it. I don't know how they could possibly carry on after this. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Well, 
Well, and speaking of when you were saying just filming it, you would have, I mean, I totally would have loved to be a fly on the wall of just watching the kind of behind the scenes of this production. And we've mentioned, or you mentioned this in our recent news video kind of covering this last episode, but touch a little bit on that what Taylor Sheridan had said about 1883 as a whole when it comes to the production. I mean, because it has been so, so well done and it's not something that's, you know, easy. I mean, it's, it's pretty ornate and intricate. He appeared on the official Yellowstone podcast and shared with Jefferson White that he thought that 1883 might be the most expensive television series ever filmed. Uh, I would which is mind blowing. Well, you think I always, uh, I always aligned expensive shows with shows that were super high tech, hmm. and that's not the case here at all. It's very, it's very analog, so to speak. Like those are real wagons, and they had to build right. these real sets. I don't right. think of that as costing as much money as like digital effects and um, and stuff like that. But, you know, a scene like this, I mean, that had to have been just a tremendously expensive scene. It reminds me of the opening of season four of Yellowstone, uh, a scene that where they did the oh, it was the scene where they right after the bomb and the shootings and everything where Casey's going after everybody at the very beginning of season four of Yellowstone. Yes, uh, all the cars that scene cost, crashing and yes, yeah. Supposedly that scene cost ten million dollars. Wow! Is, oh yeah. my gosh, chum change apparently. Oh my gosh! Right. So I, oh I would gosh. put this one probably up there with it. I, I don't yeah. know. I would think I'm not an expert in these kinds of things, but um, super expensive show and super expensive scene, no doubt. Well, speaking of this scene. I And I first just want to, I was telling Billy this earlier, I've officially decided that Elsa is the modern day equivalent to The Bachelorette on ABC, that <laughs> she just has, anytime a single male comes into the picture, it is, Billy, it does not take us, we, it is within the same scene that he sees her and he is just, we have Ennis. Then we have Colton, and now yep. we have Sam, the Native American, who, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, literally, Elsa pops up on the scene, and I'm like, well, if we could start a drinking game of every single time a man falls in love with her, <laughs> we would not be able to get through this episode. It is insane. But I will say, so right before the tornado, the Native Americans come in, and they aren't, you know, there's a, you know, we'll help you type of relationship uh, it's not hostile. You kind of see Sam looking at Elsa like, ooh, you know, kind of, you know, they kind of catch glance and nothing much from that. So I'm not flirty, thinking anything. A little bit. But they're, they're flirty, but then here comes a tornado. So what's going to happen during a tornado? Right. Not a romance scene by any means. That's not what my brain was prepared Certain. for. No, Certainly and not. as they are literally running for their lives, this yeah. and. You know, the scene where you can hear all the commotion, once again, kind of like the river scene, any tense scene is matched with very peaceful music. All of a sudden, everything goes silent, at least when we're thinking of the river piano scene crossing and uh, river crossing. And once again, Elsa kind of looks at Sam, music, cue music, and starts making out with him after she, after after she is screaming at the top of her lungs that there is a tornado right on top of them. I, Billy, I was so caught off guard and I didn't know what to think of that <laughs> and why Taylor added that randomly in. And I, like, up until this point, had felt like, okay, she's been really, really grieving in this. Not to say, yes, at some point we're going to, she's going to have to move on and she's been doing that slowly. But 
man, we went from zero to a hundred of all of a sudden we're making out and here comes a tornado and but then that's that's it. We we don't we don't touch on it again in the entire episode and it just irks me. We do not have a large teenage audience, I would guess, but if there are anybody who's listening who's in that age, like don't try to kiss away your emotions <laughs> like Elsa's doing. It's just, no. it leads to bad places, especially as you get older and alcohol gets involved. Like, it's right. just, you're going to regret it. Um, a couple what of is, things, though. Yeah. I, I'm going to, so you want the positive or the slightly negative? Let's go negative first, and then we can hit the positive. I've really kind of been... Uh, I, one thing I've really enjoyed about this show is the artistic beauty of it and how it's one man's mm-hmm. vision. And we've talked about this again and again. Episode four, we saw that the speech that Shay had to Elsa in episode six, we saw that just these really beautiful moments and it all seems to align up and work perfectly. Throughout yeah. this episode, episode seven, I, I saw a lot of sort of beautiful artistic thoughts that to me never really aligned and coordinated and worked together. So you get like these shocking head tilting kind of moments or like this just cornucopia of drama and violence that you don't really even have time to respond to. Yeah. I think what Elsa might've been doing, and this is the positive is I feel like in that moment, she might not have been in her mind kissing Sam, but maybe she was kissing Ennis in some sort of way. Mm. Like she was preparing herself for death death uh, and she wanted to be with you know she wants to be with Ennis again so maybe right. in some way that was like what she was projecting onto him a stretch I, yeah well the only reason why I'm I, why I'm saying it might be a little bit of a stretch because if we rewind a few seconds before when they have to let the horses go and she's riding Ennis's old horse she looks at the horse and says, you know, I love you, which is not, she was not saying I love you to the horse itself. It was more like Ennis's spirit that she was saying I love you and kiss the horse. So that's why I kind of feel like mm. that nod to that theory happens with the horse and not with Sam. But yeah, it just, it was a scene that caught me off guard. And what was your, I want to know your wife's take on it. Because I feel like your wife and I tend to be on the same thought process. <laughs> <laughs> My wife really loved this episode. We didn't talk about the Elsa and Sam kissing scene. Okay. But she she really loved this episode. But she loved it because it was so much of a change of pace. We saw yeah. a great tornado. We saw a really killer gunfight. Um, there were some new characters introduced. It was just kind of, it kind of broke it all up for her. And that was mm-hmm. made it her favorite episode is in fact what she said. Um, wow. Cool. I, I didn't, I thought it was disjointed at times. I had a hard time following it. And it was just, to me, after that, and I want to get back to Sam here in a second. But to me, after yes. that shock of reality of the tornado and this realization that, like, most of these people aren't going to make it where they want to go, mm-hmm. um, then there's this gunfight with bandits where there's, like, 13 deaths and all this shooting and new characters coming in out of nowhere in the name of Charles. It felt like learning your mom is dying, but then getting in a car wreck on the way home from the hospital. Uh, I mean, yes, it's wow, real. That's real. It. That might have been what it's like. But I still right. need to volunteer to watch this show week to week. And <laughs> damn, that's a that's a tall order. No one's forcing us to watch here. I, yeah. Yeah. It was a struggle for me for that reason. Well, and I to your point of getting back to Sam real quick, and 
his past with Taylor Sheridan and also where else we have seen him. Because this is not, you know, Naomi or Noemi. This was her right. first time. Um, or Graciela Brancusi. This was her first acting gig. Uh, and this is not the same for Sam's character. No. So dive deep into that. No, no. I know that you've got a lot of good nuggets there. Well, Yellowstone fans may recognize um, Martin Sensmeyer. That's the actor's name. He I was really in season two name. of. <laughs> he was in season two of Yellowstone. He played, um, I forget the character's name, but he's Monica's physical therapist as she's recovering from um, uh, that assault at the school. And he tries mm-hmm. to get a little bit flirty with her as she's separated from Casey. She ultimately shoots him down, and that leads to Casey and Monica getting back together. Um, Martin was also in Wind River. He was most well-known, though, in the movie The Magnificent Seven. He plays, I don't remember his character's name in it, but he plays one of the characters there, um, and that's probably his biggest role. He's one of the Magnificent Seven. So he has a a pretty distinguished acting role or acting career. This might be his only uh, scene or episode of 1883 but it was it was certainly a good one he played mm-hmm. i think he saved her life two times yeah throughout this well billy i want to talk real quick about my personal favorite scene it was quick but i loved it of faith and it's when first off i want to say between my analogies today so we have you know elsa the bachelorette of the traveling <laughs> crew you know the men flocking to her and we have Cookie, who's who's a chef, who's traveling with him. He is like, he is what I would say is like, we're going to cotillion class. And why I say that is because, you know, he makes this meal for the immigrants and they don't know, you know, they don't know essentially etiquette 101 and he goes off on them. He's like, excuse me, you're not just going to take that piece of steak off the plate. You know, you're going to use silverware. Come on now. And yeah, as I was watching, I'm going, oh, we are cotillion with Cookie. And it pretty much, you know, <laughs> says the F word and you have a little, little John Dutton senior and pretty much Mama Bear comes out in Faith Hill and Margaret Dutton. And when she walks up to get her food, he asks, you know, do you want half a steak or a whole steak? And she slaps him, not because of the half steak, whole steak situation, but pretty much says, if you say that word one more time in front of my son, it's going to end up a lot worse, which I thought was so funny because this is, I'm going to parallel this this moment where you have James Dutton come up after Margaret and pretty much he looks at Cookie going, you know, it could have been a lot worse, so be lucky. And he, that moment, I don't know if you've ever seen the blind side when Tim was in the blind side and the wife is yeah. also a little bit of a spitfire personality in the blind side. Yes, and there's a moment where she, you know, comes walking down those bleachers to the football coach and she, you know, gets in her face of like, don't, you know, don't mess with uh, my, yeah. my son essentially. And Tim takes Michael. that similar role. Yeah. Michael takes that or don't mess with Michael. And Tim takes a similar role again of like, just let your mom do her thing. You know what I mean? Where I, that's what I saw in this moment. I was like, Tim, Tim is his character. And James is taking this role of, yeah, don't, sir, you, you knew you poked the mama bear. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, what did you, I, I, really, I really, I enjoyed liked, that scene. I did too. I really liked the character of Cookie overall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same. He, he's, he's, he's funny and serious and kind of gruff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I hope he kind of continues through the end of the series. He's, he almost kind of, in a way, replaces Ennis. Yes, and then he that's kind of has, what I was going to say. 
like, yes. He has yes. like a lighthearted feel to him. Like you smile yes. when he's around like you did with Ennis. Yes, which, absolutely. You know, that was necessary. So I'm glad they did. Yeah. Which means, you know, he's going to die. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if we've learned anything, I'm sure listeners yeah, also have learned with us of like, well, great. Addison and Billy said something. So great. Next episode. See you. See you later, Cookie. Cookie's Cotillion gone. is gone. The other new character we met was, and this came out of nowhere, Charles. Yes! I mean, almost like a ghost if he just appeared. The the fairy godmother yeah. just, you know, came out of nowhere. And he was yeah. apparently, allegedly, doing the same thing of, you know, catching bandits and looking for cattle. I'm like, by yourself? Right. This was a really odd sequence yeah. of events and it kind of speaks to what i was saying earlier where it kind of felt a little bit kind of all shoehorned in there like he's he's just all of a sudden shooting people next to the comanche indians um and then he it turns out he knows shay and mm-hmm. he has a strange kind of accent that i couldn't really <laughs> pick up like he it's almost like a well-to-do type of almost uh-huh. british accent but he's from texas because charles isn't just some run-of-the-mill cowboy wrangler charles is no. actually based on a historical character mm-hmm. charles goodnight who is one of or is at the time was the most famous rancher um i would correct me if i'm wrong on that but so he yeah he just pops out of nowhere and kind of to your point of you know you couldn't really make out the accent my theory to that is Taylor Sheridan, when he plays, you know, he's once again another Where's Waldo character of he when he plays Travis in Yellowstone, you know, he has such a distinct voice that I I feel like in order to not blur those lines of confusion there, I feel like you almost have to take on his I don't know, his accent may not have been as like what we expected it to just purely because he Okay, yeah, you're not you're not there for that. I think you're trying hard to okay, come up yeah, with something there, but that scene in general, you know, was one of those that just really. I think I was the reason why I'm stretching here is I think just that scene in general. I was looking for this questioning of how on earth did you disappear out of nowhere? So trying to make all these things make sense, but go into a little bit more depth of who exactly is Charles Goodnight. Well, I don't have too much more on him. All I have is that he's the father of the Texas Panhandle legendary rancher. Of course, it is actor Taylor Sheridan who created the show. And one thing I did learn through listening to an interview with Taylor Sheridan is how he sounds as Travis on Yellowstone. Like, that's his normal voice. Because that's exactly how he sounded during that interview. And it's almost kind of funny. Like, the relationship that Travis and Jimmy have on Yellowstone is kind of the same relationship that Taylor and Jefferson White have during this interview. Hmm. Like, Jefferson White asks a question... Or he makes a statement, and and Travis goes, "What the f kind of question was that?" And it's like, ah, and then they move on to something. He kind of bullies them a little bit. I got, uh-huh. I'm not gonna lie. Like, is this Jimmy or Jefferson? Travis. If this is only his only other accent, or only voice he does is sort of like this <laughs> well-to-do British-ish man, um, uh-huh. he might want, he might want to not do do it too 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 much. Right, right, right. Uh, but it was good to see Taylor Sheridan on screen. He looked good. He played a great character. And I think he's one and done as well. I don't anticipate him sticking around for um, oh, yeah, no. future episodes. You know, we had a tornado in this this episode. And then, of course, we have more bandits, which I will say, thank goodness, this episode we did not leave 
with a major character. I don't think actually any of no one on oh, well, all the bandits were killed, but everyone else lived, which was nice. I was not when at first we approached this, I was like, okay, who's you know who's gonna die? Um, but it was nice that we didn't have we actually had victory without any casualties. The bandits were almost like Star Wars stormtroopers, where they have <laughs> one hit for every one hundred hits. Uh-huh. And it's not like, you know, Thomas and Shay and and, J- and James were particularly well hidden or sheltered. No, it's at one point, yeah. Shay Brennan's just standing up, like firing his gun at horse people running by, <laughs> you know, horsemen uh-huh. and cowboys running by. And, and they end up taking down all 13 of them. I guess um, Sam and Charles take down a few on their own. And then, of course, Margaret Dutton gets her kill right at the end. I love um, it. There were some injuries, but nothing really worth talking about. But they, uh, you're right, they all survived. Yeah. So no deaths on this episode of the show, which was nice. Yay. Well, I do want to touch on uh, Elsa outside, outside of her makeout session with uh, Sam <laughs> that threw me off guard. Do you, you have some thoughts on her that we had kind of talked about before as we were, we were playing in the podcast. I am mm-hmm. very intrigued to hear what you have to share. Some critical, critical information on Elsa. <laughs> she has her monologue is particularly particularly grim, I thought, this episode. Mm. Like, she starts mm. off saying, the plains are littered with bones. I don't know. That's not the best Elsa impersonation. <laughs> and the filth of our touch is an apocalypse. It's apocalypse. Like, oh, boy. That's As it scans to the skeleton. Well, but Tim McGraw was on the Kelly Clarkston show. Uh, mm-hmm. last week and uh, Isabel May the actress was on that show as well and she yes. was actually on the couch and uh-huh. I'm going to mention her outfit if only to make a point we learned two things first of all we learned that Isabel May did not know who Tim McGraw and Faith Hill were prior to the filming yes. of 1883 yes. that is fantastic I also watched that yeah she is wearing I guess what you would call like a crop top yes we can go with I, wa- I watched the clip that you're talking right. about so yeah I'd say it's a set it was a kind of a a skirt, yes, with a, we'll say crop top. All right, midriff bearing, and it had no sleeves. And you can clearly see that her commitment to leaving her armpit hair unshaven did not last very long. Oh, my gosh. Stop the presses. Thing to look Elsa at that, May, Billy. <laughs> Elsa May, Isabella May has shaved her armpit hair. Breaking news from... <laughs> well, yeah, Cassidy because... Bay. You were the one who had said, yeah, this just in from the Dutton Rules podcast. <laughs> yeah. Tweet it, Billy. Tweet it. No. Uh, you only get that kind of coverage here. I mean, you're not going to get that on other podcasts. <laughs> Isabel May. Important, important not, stuff. Not Elsa. The, the, the person herself, her armpit hair has been shaved. Well, because she had said it was on, was it the Yellowstone podcast that she had said, you know, yeah. I'm actually okay with keeping it for mm-hmm. her everyday life. Well, that didn't. Maybe oh. maybe a, maybe for a hot second, but yeah. Uh, Tim McGraw also shaved his beard, which is which is good because that thing's getting a little out of control by episode seven. Like that it's is really a little gnarly. Like it's growing out, not down, yeah. which is an interesting it's, thing. <laughs> yeah, whenever it goes horizontal and not vertical, that's when you go, okay, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Time to go. And I just don't think out, outside of 1883, I don't think that fits Tim. I don't think yeah. like some stubble or some, you know, a little bit of something. Yes. But yeah, no, not not James Dutton vibes <laughs> for for Democrats everyday life. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On that note, Billy, are we uh, on the on the armpit hair note? Are we ready for some Q&A? What a transition. Yes. All righty. Who do we got this the, week? The first one, I have three for you. The first one is from Jean-Anne. And says, didn't have Spencer as half Comanche on my bingo card. Billy, explain. <laughs> well, I think she's kind of <laughs> cracking a joke. Jean Ann is probably the person who uh, emails as much as anybody. We have good conversations back and forth. Um, but she's referring to the point that you made about Elsa and uh, Sam making out as if that's the next big romance oh. on 1883. <laughs> she, well, he I- might have won the Bachelorette, perhaps. <laughs> well, I did also think that I was thinking of yeah Spencer, and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, that's that's funny. I get that. Uh, the second one I have for you is from Michaela, and this one's interesting. She's a meteorologist and says, as a meteorologist, I couldn't help but be enthralled with episode seven. Since the series started, I was wondering how they were going to address severe weather, which is quite common for this area. I also took a look at the climatological record from 1883, and there was a notable drought that even Shea makes reference to when deciding which direction to go with Thomas and James. 1883 is also a significant year. It's the year that Krakatoa erupted and caused global temperatures to decrease. Maybe this might indicate that we may see an early onset of winter. Oh, no. I can't do winter. I love our listeners. For this yes! reason. I mean, this yes! that's only part of the email that she sent, actually. But she sent me with links to show how, like, the climate climatological trends so in 1883. Yeah. Um, people really love the historical accuracies of this show. Mm-hmm. And, and I've gotten emails with regards to the cattle routes that I think we've shared some of on the, on the podcast. Um, and this is the first one we've had about the weather and the drought. And I'd be willing to bet that... Taylor is in tune to all of this. Like a drought mm-hmm. could be coming. She mentions Krakato- Krakatoa. That was a volcano in Indonesia. It happened on May 20th, 1883. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of lasted, I guess, in some capacity into October. So I don't know necessarily if the global temperature decrease she talked about happened that quickly. It might've taken a little bit longer, but it could affect the winter. She's absolutely right. I mean, she's the meteorologist, not me. So I'm going to go with her opinion, but uh, really, really insightful email. Yeah. I want to, I'm glad we got to share that. And just big thank you for Michaela and everybody who's emailed in with like these super um, thoughtful opinions and ideas and thoughts and angles that we wouldn't even have the education to begin mm, how to research. Yeah. It's, it, it really kind Absolutely. of picked me up, if I'm being honest, after that episode last week. I really enjoyed the emails. So I'm really <laughs> the, appreciative the, of it. The email say, this is your bread and butter today on this episode. It's this, this portion right here. Uh, the last one I have for you is Devani says, the line at the end where Elsa tells her mom that, quote, they are in heaven, but also in hell, and God is the land, was so great. Beth said it to Rip when they were drinking whiskey on the roof 
in season two, episode seven, before she got beat up by the Beck brothers. Kind of a fun Easter egg. Wow, very very Taylor Swift of them. <laughs> this is this is another great observation. I, I mean, yeah, geez, season two of Yellowstone. I, I missed it, but I looked it up. Absolutely, she's right. What Beth says is. I think heaven's right here, so is hell. One person can be walking the clouds right next to someone, enduring internal damnation, and God is the land. A very similar line. Taylor sort of tipping his hat to his own writing from several years ago. And, you know, I think you can make some parallels between Beth Dutton and the woman that Elsa Dutton is turning into. They are cut from the same cloth, literally, and, you know, of course, figuratively in in this case. Right. Wow. Great observation and memory. Don't forget that if you want to add any thoughts, theories, or add your trivia question that Billy had mentioned in the beginning of this episode, it's staff at tasteofcountry.com. And as you heard, that's Billy's favorite part of his week is looking at all of the uh, emails. So keep him happy if these episodes keep going south. Billy's not going to be doing well, but the emails... And comments and all the above <laughs> lift his spirits. Well, they are. I've really enjoyed you know, them. I, I enjoy the, the reviews and ratings as well. And that's not just a way to ask for a review and rating, although that is something I appreciate. Like, we're over <laughs> right. 100 ratings now and some really honest reviews. I, I think we've read mm-hmm. a couple here. People have sort of called us out. And, oh, absolutely. And I don't know. I, I kind of want to continue to be honest with, like, our yeah. opinions and responses to this show. Um, I don't love it all. I, I, I've really enjoyed the show, but I think you and I have both had moments where we're like, oh, what is going on here? We can't, yeah, um, can't embrace all of it. Um, right. Well, and we love when you guys call us out when we when we miss a, you know, either map or anything like that. It's always great, great insight. So we're we have thick skin, so we appreciate all the input. Thanks to Jeanne. Michaela and Devani for their emails this week. Send yours to staff at tasteofcountry.com. Clearly the conversation means a lot to Billy Dukes. I'm Addison Hager, and this has been another episode of Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast. We'll be back early next week with a recap of episode eight. Look through the archives for our recent bonus episode titled Everything You Need to Know About Yellowstone Season 5. Dutton Rules is written by myself and Billy Dukes and produced by Billy Dukes. Special thanks to Taste of Country's Sterling Whitaker for additional research. Tap follow and leave a rating and review if you've not yet done so, and look for our regular recap videos on YouTube. Just search Taste of Country YouTube. As always, Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast, is another great Town Square Media podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.